Judy said to make sure that I said hello to you. Uh, she planned on being here uh, last week. She did pretty good, and uh, so we uh, we said, well, let's see if we can pull this off. And uh, but this morning uh, she just couldn't pull it off. So she has a. <coughs> As all of you know, she has a diminished lung capacity, and and that's how you get your energy distributed through your body. So if you can't breathe very well, as our friend Babbitt knows uh, with his Judy, that can be a real challenge. So um, I thought about this morning as I was coming in, I've outlived my dad by 25 years, four, almost 25 I've outlived my grandpa by uh, 15, 16 years. Um, but I really haven't because um, all I've got are a little extra help with my ears, which has been a challenge for me for years. I spent too much time in Air Force with jet airplanes blowing in my ear. And I, uh, I just had cataract surgery so I could see a little better. You are looking better than the last time I saw you. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Roger, he's not that kind of <laughs> um, <coughs> So uh, I'm the beneficiary of uh, my dad's first heart attack, for example, at 59. The doctor's recommendation for it was 30 days of bed rest. And my first heart heart attack, they put a little, found out where the blockage was, put a little stent in there, and that's been 18, 19 years ago. So we live in a different time, and certainly we're evidence of that right now. But none of this surprises God. And um, it, the challenge of life is, can we... Can we think and act different than the world? What is it that we need to do to, uh, to understand and come up with a strategy where we can improve the quality of our life with our Heavenly Father? Um, the power of God is expressed in the spoken word. The very first thing he did was to say, let there be light, and there was. So our capacity to listen to the words of God and to be serious in using our own words, be careful what we say, words that can hurt or words that can encourage. The power of the spoken word is tied directly to your life. In fact, the quality of your life is directly related to what you say to yourself first, your self-talk, and then what you say to others. If you, uh, if you let Satan dominate your thinking, You'll say things you shouldn't say. There's a few words I'd like to call back, but it's too late because we've already said them, right? As uh, David said in Psalm 71 or 51, 
my sin is ever before me. We know we're sinners. We acknowledge that. But God, that's all he has to work with. He doesn't have anything else other than sinners to work with. But his plan was to help us figure out how we could change what we say to ourselves and what we say to others. The, the crux of the whole challenge is, can we, can we maintain and encourage ourselves in, in belief, in faith? Faith cometh by hearing. So the spoken word is the method that God chose to encourage. We're encouraged when we read the Psalms that we uh, just saw on the overhead. I'm not sure if it was Psalms 90, I think it was, but, um, and it, it has three sections to it that over the years uh, Judy and I have found to be especially encouraging one of our favorite Psalms. It's the only one that Moses wrote. Psalms 90, and he says, Lord, you have been our God throughout all generations. Before the mountains were formed, behold, you are God. So when our words honor and reflect who God is and a little about his eternal influence in all of the world, we're thinking the right thoughts. He gets down to verse 12 and he says, <clears throat> excuse me, Teach us to number our days. Think about how, how long you're going to be here. It's mortality. Teach us to number our days that we might incline our heart to wisdom. Over time, if we can repeat the spoken word of God by reading it, memorizing it, sharing with family or others, we then start to... When we say, teach us to number our days, we start to reflect on what is it I'd like to get accomplished before the Lord calls me home. So this sense of communication and the spoken word, he chose the foolishness, the Holy Spirit says, the foolishness of the preaching of gospel to save men. He didn't say everybody has to high jump seven feet so we all go to practice high jumping classes now because that's not going to get there. What he wants us to do is to follow the father of the faithful. You think about Abraham for a minute. Abraham lived at a time when there was no such thing as an Israelite. There wasn't any prophets in the sense of uh, that we know of now as we look at the history of God's word. But Abraham, in his time, understood right and wrong. And to the extent that when he heard, God, heard God's voice, he recognized it. There's, a, there's a, a couple of interesting books that are written on how truth evidences itself. What is it that is self-affirming? that isn't debated. We say in this society, very little. We debate everything, right? We got two sides to everything. <clears throat> that seems to be true, except for perhaps words like, 
wisdom, everybody like to be wiser. Justice, everybody wants right and wrong. They want to be treated with fairness. Courage, everyone needs a little more courage. Courage is a special virtue that helps us become the best version we can of ourselves. And certainly self-control. So those words spoken in the verses that God gives us in his word tend to help us raise our standards. We can expect more of ourselves. We can raise the expectation we have. There is a way that seemeth right. Hmm, what happens though? It seems right unto me. But in the end, if I follow my own thoughts, I'll go off path. So if we want the Lord to help us and to overcome the temptations around us, to overcome the challenges, whatever they might be, we have to have a perspective that's much bigger. Teach us to number our days that we might incline our heart into wisdom. And then he says in verse 17, which is the last one of Psalms 90, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, Lord, please establish the work of our hands. We want to acknowledge you as the Lord of heaven forever. We need you to help us figure out where we're going, what we're involved in, why we're on this journey. And Lord, would you give me work to do that encourages others. When we can do that, God says, I'm with you. I've told you in times past, most of you probably recognize Proverbs 11.25, uh, water, <coughs> water someone else's garden, and God will water yours. He that watereth others, King James, will be watered. How does he do that? I'm not sure. I don't have to understand. God did not call us to understand. That's the problem of all the elite in our country. When they think of God, they can't understand. He's beyond understanding. You're never going to understand from the worldly view. And if your thoughts are worldly, you'll continue to be perplexed. But Jesus says, if you'll obey me, you'll understand. Trust and obey, we just sang, for there's no other way. Has to be the original invitation song of heaven. God calls us to trust him. Do we understand him? No, we don't. Trust him and obey. And obedience is the ultimate freedom you can express. So when you do that, you find yourself realizing that God is working in your life, wants to continue to work in it, and will show you the path you should take. Judy and I pray that God will open doors for us all the time. Open doors. Help me to have the courage to walk through a door if, if the Lord opens it. If you want to close doors, close them. And I don't, I don't lament doors that have been closed and go back and try to get them. Lord, help me to see, to look forward. Now, 
There's one of my favorite passages. It's in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, 19. And this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus was a place that he visited and came up with some followers and people obeyed the gospel. And he writes a letter back to them. He's in prison at the time he writes the letter. <clears throat> and, the, and the paraphrase of the, of the verse has, has always intrigued me. Basically what it says is, it's Paul praying for the people at Ephesus, and he's praying for, for them because ever since he first heard of their faith, he's continued to, he said, I will not stop praying for you. And here's what his prayer is, that God would flood your heart with light so that you could see the amazing potential that he's called you to. And then he goes on to say, and his great riches and power to make it happen. The power that he talks about is the same power that he used to resurrect Jesus from the grave. So here's Paul's prayer that you could see more. You will see more if you read God's word every day. It's, that's not as easy to do as it sounds. Um, for years, we've, uh, I've, I've been working with people, I'll, I'll get them to, um, they say, yeah, I should read the Bible more and stuff. I said, why don't you, before you go to bed, what happens the first thing in the morning depends on what happened before you went to bed. The key to Sunday morning is what happens Saturday night for your children, for you, for everybody. So you've got to get the plan ahead of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the, the sense he said, here's, here's my prayer that I want to call to your remembrance so you can see what I'm asking God to do on your behalf. I want God to flood your heart with light. That's the very first thing he said. Let there be light. Light. Without light, we are in darkness. And men prefer darkness over light because their deeds are evil. Right? And that's the way life is. So turn the lights on, Lord. Flood my heart with light so I could see the potential, the calling the calling of the glory of God. That phrase is used in the Bible. It started out a lot in, in, in its translation from the King James Version back in the England. Um, hope is best defined, at least for me, is the anticipation of good. If you hope something is going to happen, uh, like, you, like you're a kid wanting a bicycle for your birthday or whatever, but it's not that kind of hope in the Bible. In fact, Paul would say, Holy Spirit helps him, says, you are saved by hope. You're saved by what you're anticipating, what you're looking forward to. What is it that you see in your life that would move you in the direction of your Heavenly Father? And I'm saying, read the Proverbs that matches the calendar. Today's, what, the 11th? So if you go to bed 
before you go to bed, turn your Bible to Proverbs 11. Set it right where you drink your coffee or whatever. Get up the next morning and read the Proverbs that matches the day of the calendar. Every month you'll read through the whole Proverbs. That's about the best therapy that we can come up with for examining our own life. It will examine you. There's two things that happen. First, you discover who Jesus is, and then you discover who we are. And that's, that's the power of the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel shines on your heart and convicts you. I'm not as just as I should be or wise. I don't have enough courage, and I don't have enough self-control. Lord, forgive me, but encourage me and help me. So the prayer again, my prayer is, Paul says, that God would flood your heart with light so you could see that potential. Where are you going to teach us to number our days? How much longer are you going to be here? I don't know. We can speculate, right? We don't know. It could happen. But the challenge is we need to have a plan. And if you don't have a plan set out for reading God's Word, you will be less than you can be. You won't have the courage that you need to make it through this life. God will help you. He will protect you if you take the shield of your faith and the sword of the Spirit and the breastplate of righteousness and girded with your loins and your feet shed with the preparation of the gospel. What's going on? He wants you to have his protection, his words, his thoughts around you. And if you start off every day reading one of the Proverbs, you got a good start on the day. If Satan, <coughs> if Satan's running down your street... And he hears arguing, he says, oh, I can go pour some kerosene on that. I'll really get them upset at each other. And they get in there, and next thing we know, we got discord and difficulty. What happens to Satan if he hears you praying or reading the Psalms? He goes, I think I'll skip, skip that house. Satan cannot abide God's word. He can't. It shuts him down. He leaves. And that's exactly the story of, of Jesus in the desert for 40 days. Satan keeps coming to him and tempting him with worldly success. And every time Satan tempted him, what did he do? He quoted scripture to him. Uh, man shall not live by bread alone. So if you can use as your defense from Satan in your life the way he gets to you by having memorized his word and quote it back to him, what will he do? He'll leave. He's gone. That's exactly what the Lord's trying to get us to do. So whatever you think about, as a man thinketh in his heart, I guess that goes for ladies too, right? As a lady thinketh in her heart, so is she. So you're in charge of that. The quality of your life is what? First your self-talk and then what you say to others. When you think about your plan for the day and you open Ephesians and read that, he says, I'm here to help you recognize 
that I've called you. I've, Jesus says, I am, I am calling you to follow me. And when you do that, he says, I'll support it. I'll help it. But if you take a detour, if you run off in, in selfishness, pursuing your own desires, it won't happen. So the, your capacity to trust in the Lord is based on spoken word, his spoken word in your heart. And your heart was designed to measure and recognize truth. When you hear truth, you recognize it. You don't understand why, you just do. You know it. You can tell some, even, we get so, um, after, after being married 60 years, we can read each other's thoughts, right? Uh, Judy knows me better than I know me, probably. But the point is, God wants you to be his messenger, first to yourself and then to others. And when you reach out and talk and pray with another, God says, I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to give you the encouragement you need to keep going. And as you do, you'll find, you'll find that your life will become stronger and your testimony will help you understand that in numbering your days, the Lord will extend them to whatever he wants it to be, and he wants you to use every bit of it. I am, um, I th as I said, I thought about how much older I've uh, been allowed to live than my father and my grandfather. That, to me, just uh, pushes the button that says I've got more responsibility than they had. I need to, today's not a good day to quit. Tomorrow doesn't look very good either. We're going to stay at it, Lord. Open my eyes that I can see the wondrous beauty in your law, Lord. That's what David tells us. When we do that, God says, I've got big plans for you. I've got plans for you, and they are all wrapped up in your daily spiritual diet of reading and thinking about God's Word. Do you have to do it all day? No, no, he, didn't want, he just wants the first part. He doesn't want all your money, he just wants the first part. He doesn't want all your time, just the first part. But whatever you do, whatever, in word or deed, it's an offering to God. It's an offering. Can you do dishes in a way that you'd offer it to the Lord? That's exactly what you could do. So in our choice of what we tell ourselves, what we think about, God wants us to consider those around us to encourage them. I've I've enjoyed I've had a life of uh, a, a long life of encouragement that God put in front of me at a very young age, and I haven't wavered from that over all these years. I've always been able to find opportunity for to encourage and help those around me in school, in the Air Force, in my business life, all of it, 
And the Lord has always given me more than I've given away. Give and shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Flowing over. Well, who's a God that can do that? I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for that. So my prayer would continue to be for you, that God would flood your heart with light so you could see that potential that he's called you to and his great riches and power to make it happen, even if you're old like some of us. Age has no places, no limits on your testimony. Your testimony will be the result of surrender to God. I thank you for your attention, and it's good to see all of you. And if you continue to keep Judy and I in prayer, we appreciate that. And uh, I think that I think that this whole COVID deal potentially. If it isn't, it should bring out the best in us. I'm closer to God in these times than I was probably before it happened. And I have greater concerns, and I, um, I have friends and acquaintances that have had uh, real challenges with it. But I think that just elicits more prayers, more opportunities to give thanks. So I thank you. I thank you for all that you do and for your decision to, to to be here this morning. May the Lord bless you, keep you. Thank you very much.